Fired, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Buyer's Market. I'm joined today with Dan Manfredi. Uh, Dan joins us with a lot of cool experience. He joins us from the West Coast, our first uh, our first West Coast visitor. So appreciate you doing this on Pacific time. And uh, Dan, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dan, uh, Dan, uh, Dan has a lot of cool experience I'm excited to dive into. He wasn't always in supply chain. And I think that's I think that's good for people in this space to hear from people that have also had that field experience and maybe didn't necessarily grow up in supply chain to hear his journey, how he got there. Uh, and then also just to hear how he views things. You know, he views things a little bit different than maybe someone that got out of college, went into supply chain, and that's all they've done because he's actually done the work in the field and been a part of that. Um, so... Dan, with that, uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, why don't you tell us how you started out with your career and you know, go back to when you were an inspector and then we can work our way up to when you started working in supply chain. Thank you. Yeah, um, you know, that's many moons ago, so I'll have to go back uh, you know, several years. But uh, in short, uh, you know, one of my first jobs as a young man in the workforce, I was a field inspector for uh, Pacific Gas and Electric here, which is a fairly large utility. I don't know if you, maybe you've heard of it. I have. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, it was more of a compliance department that I worked in. So I would go out and do in, uh, inspections for energy efficiency uh, type uh, of measures, uh, retrofits, things like that. Um, you know, air conditioners, refrigerators, things that uh, or, or more energy efficient, I would go out and verify installation was complete. Also did some uh, gas service type work where we would go in and, um, you know, measure levels of, uh, you know, carbon monoxide, uh, you know, byproducts of combustion, uh, gas appliances in a home, things like that. So, uh, you know, when I first started working there, it was a, a dream job. I mean, I traveled all over the place, up and down California. Um, and uh, it was it was a great gig. Uh, unfortunately, the time I was there, uh, PG&E was going through a um, Chapter 11, a bankruptcy, and they did a reorganization and eliminated my apart uh, my department by about 80 percent. Um, so yeah, that was that was a bummer. And I figured out, you know, at that point, uh, I did not graduate college uh, at, in that juncture. I did not have a college degree in that juncture of my life. Um, so I decided to go back to school and uh, business management was the topic I chose, uh, which eventually led me to supply chain. So that's the short version, but I did not start out. It was not my ambition as a young man that I wanted to be a supply chain analyst or a uh, you know, professional, but that's where it led me. But yeah, the, the field experience definitely was a good, uh, I guess they say, baptism with fire into the workplace because I uh, had to deal with a lot of people and uh, different types of situations. So it, I guess it prepared me for the school and the books, which led me uh, to where I'm at today. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can, I really appreciate people that do have the field experience, probably because I have it myself. I, uh, I started out in field and construction and moved into safety and then sales and marketing. So. You never know where your path's going to end up. You just kind of keep going where you're going. It sounds like you were able to turn an unfortunate situation with what happened to PG&E into a positive one, because um, I think you enjoy your job quite a bit now. And that may not have happened if they didn't do that with they with reduced the um, staff by 80%. So uh, I know we're glad to have you on here and glad to have you in supply chain. 
Um, so what was your uh, what was your first position like when you when you first got into supply chain? You know, you 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 get out of school, you go get a supply chain job. What was that look like? What was it? Was it difficult? Were there were there things you were able to apply? You know, it, it was it was definitely a, a change of course because uh, you know I went from the field to the office uh, was the main change, but um, you know I was working for a private company at the time, an energy consulting company, and they had uh, some offices scattered throughout California, and uh, there was some new executive leadership that came in that wanted to centralize the purchasing. So they actually built a purchasing department and uh, you know, I was sort of recruited into it because I had a lot of existing product knowledge and was already out uh, you know, engaging with suppliers. And so I had a little bit of experience there. Also had a little construction background before the PG&E gig. So uh, you know, I'm trying to shorten this up for you guys, but um, you know, I, 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 I kind of fell backwards into, into procurement and um, that was that was where it started. So we actually from scratch built a centralized purchasing department where everything had to come through procurement. So I got a real taste of what it's like to uh, uh, be in this position to where everything's channeled through one uh, vehicle. And not everybody likes that, you know. Uh, I've found over the years, you know, having to deal with the procurement guy isn't the most fun thing because. Um, you know, people that have been with a organization for a long time, they want what they want. And uh, when you got to go to the procure, you just can't go out and buy it. You got to go through the procurement guy. Uh, you know, sometimes you're not the most well-liked. So uh, that was a learning experience for me of, uh, again, having to deal with people and people's needs uh, and what the market had to offer for people's needs. So that was a real learning experience. I mean, we're talking hands-on again which has evolved and led me to where I'm at today. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm I'm interested in that because uh, I, I I've seen that transition happen, but I don't know that if I if I've had the opportunity to talk to someone who was a part of it and lived through it. Um, what would you say some some benefits were, and maybe some things that were challenging when you went through that effort? Uh, benefits. Well, you know, as I said. Um, it wasn't a, a a desired position for me. It was it was an opportunity, you know, and that's mm -hmm. a lot, that's what happens a lot of times with opportunities. The door opens, you walk through it, and things happen. And uh, that's exactly what happened in the start of my procurement career with this new position. Um, one story that always stands out to me, and uh, the people that know me, I hope I don't bore them with this story. But uh, you guys, this may be the first time you've heard it, but. Um, we had a, a need for some uh, energy efficient products that were um, imported overseas at the time. I wanna say it was around the 2008, 2010 era. And um, we had a lot of uh, program goals uh, to get these measures out to customers, uh, the utility customers and have them installed. And at the time there was a, uh, Longshoremen's Union strike down in Southern California off Long Beach, and all these ships were stuck out on the port. And um, the heat really got turned up to when this product uh, was going to get to our warehouse. And, um, you know, a lot of phone calls, a lot of road trips, 
and it was a real thing. I mean, the ships were literally stuck out and even in the North Bay, uh, and they would, they were not getting unloaded. And, uh, it was a real, um, awakening to, uh, demand planning for your programs and your program cycles or whatever your business needs are. Uh, if you don't have that demand plan, you can't see, uh, you know, the unknowns and the unforeseen. So that, that's a really cool story. <laughs> uh, that, that would present some unique challenges that I don't know how you would solve. <laughs> Well, you know, like I said, you spend a lot of time on the phone because you're not there at the port with the mobs of people. But um, yeah, so you spend a lot of time on the phone and, and you know, people yelling at you and you yelling at other uh, other people, your distributors. And so, you know, those types of situations uh, build character, you know, and if you can survive them, uh, you know, there'll be a notch on the old belt, so to speak, to your next level. Yeah, I, I try and remind myself that when I'm going through tough times, not always successfully, but it just another proof case of um, the things that are tough in the moment and the things that we don't like in the moment make us better in the long run. So that's that's pretty neat. Um, so now you've transitioned and now you work for SMUD. What's that like working in the public sector and um, how was that transition uh, and, and what were you able to apply from the private sector? Uh, it's, 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 they're, they're two different worlds. You know, we could go on a, a, a long conversation about this. Um, yeah, I, I love it to answer your, your question. I, it's, it's, uh, the best job I've had because not, and I'm not here to, uh, you know, promote the company, but, uh, it is by far the best company I've worked for just the, uh, the mentality, the leadership, the um, uh, the team I work with is just great. It's 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 a dream job. I, I am not going to lie about that. I'm not going to be shy about it. Um, it's very different than the public sector in terms of buying, just because of the um, you know the procurement rules for for public uh, for public buying um, are very different than the private sector. Uh, private sector is, you know, you, you have a lot more mobility and flexibility uh, if you have the budget to buy something. Um, we're subject here at, at SMUD to the public contracting code, which, you know, we have a procurement policy and a lot of guidelines and how we're to source and, and purchase. Um, so it's probably a little slower, but um, a very thorough process to make sure that everyone has a fair competitive advantage to uh, doing business with SMUD. So um, to me, it's very personal because it's a very community-oriented mindset in, in buying um, because we don't have investors, so to speak. We have ratepayers, and we do what's in the best interest of the public and our ratepayers in everything, in our in our infrastructure, in our, our facilities, in our, our transmission lines. Uh, it's a very serious business. Uh, you know, the, the, the utility business uh, make no mistake, it is a very uh, highly regulatory industry, uh, a regulated industry, and there's a lot of eyes on it. And if you pay attention to the news with the wildfires going on in California, um, very dangerous times. So I'm very proud to work for uh, SMUD, and I'm not, I tell anybody I know about that, it's a great uh, organization, and um, it's, it's, it's a great place. And I've 
it, it's a great home for me. Awesome. I, I was a I was a, a happy smud customer for about ten years. I lived in Natomas, uh, so I have a I have a, I have a nice appreciation for them and had some other friends that had different utilities that we won't name and they weren't as happy as I was with their utility bill. So it's nice to meet someone that was a part of making that experience with the utility good uh, there in the Sacramento area. Um, you were talking earlier about uh, when you were in the private sector about how the the um, the strike had to teach you about demand planning far in advance. And on the public side, I had never thought of this until you just said it, but it seems like you'd have to have that same kind of mentality there because you have to go through this process. And so if you're not planning far enough out, it would make that process more difficult. So do you feel like you have to have more foresight in this role to be able to get ahead of that? Or do you think it makes it easier because of the process? I think that specific topic is, uh, it is horizontal. It is the mm -hmm. same. Uh, it, I don't think there's any difference. Uh, you know, the market is the market and uh, the buyers need the market. We need the, we, you can't buy a loaf of bread if it's not on the shelf. So I think demand planning is just as much important for uh, the private side as it is the public. I was very excited when I got the SMUD that they were talking about this already. And so uh, having been through a few, and the, and the, uh, Longshoremen's union strike is just one of you know many stories, but that's the one that always stands out to me. It was because uh, I was new, I was I was younger and um, a little more emotional. So uh, you know, all, all I'm saying is um, I think it's equally important for the private and public uh, sector to look at uh, every aspect of what the market is doing and and, and pay attention to it because. Uh, within a blink of an eye, and we're seeing it today. It's happening right now with uh, electronic products and and steel and and wire. There's a um, there's a lot going on. I can I can imagine. Um, have do you feel like from a commodity standpoint, things have leveled out since COVID? Or are you still seeing difficulty getting some materials because of uh, what we just went through? Uh, in all fairness, I am not the commodities buyer for, oh, I, I, I do not, that is not currently what I do, but I work closely with them. So I, I don't want to you know, answer with all this confidence about it, but um, it, it, COVID has definitely impacted uh, price. Uh, it's impacted budgets. It's impacted, uh, you know, availability of products. Um yeah, it's it's been a, a huge impact. Um, so on the services side, obviously, the, I don't think it affected the service people, but I'm sure it affected how you have to do business and how you do some of the things you typically do. Um, was it just a lot of Teams meeting or uh, how are you able to adjust? You know, I'm doing the same thing uh, today as I was doing nine, uh, nine, almost 19 months ago at SMUD facility. Uh, I sit in front of a computer most of my day. Um, you know, talking to people on the phone, processing, you know, purchase orders, contracts, running bids. Um, so for me, uh, you know, and SMUDS made, made it very uh, agile for people to move around and work remote with the technology team. It, it's been fantastic. Um, so for me, I feel like I'm effectively able to do my job through COVID. Now, I think for the future, um, I think where you're going to see some of the impact is COVID's changed a lot uh, of how 
organizations do business and companies do business. And you've seen, uh, you know, the unemployment rate rise. So in services, again, we're dealing with people and, you know, providing service, uh, uh, some, some type of labor function or skill set most of the time. And, um, you know, there is a shortage. And, you know, people that you've, uh, you're used to calling and saying, hey, is, uh, is Matt there? The, Matt doesn't work here anymore. So you, there's definitely been impact on that, on that front uh, in terms of the availability of, of people just because the job market, uh, you know, has, has suffered. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that. I bet that is an interesting thing when you're going to reach out and you're in, you're going through this situation already. And then, and then you say, Hey, I want to talk to Matt. Matt's not here. And it's like, Oh shoot. Now I got to, who are you? <laughs> Was there a lot of that? Yeah. Again, and, and you know, you know, this, uh, it's, it's a relationship business and you, uh, you build trust and, uh, you know, there's reliability and all, all those things built into what we do over time. And yeah, when you lose somebody and there's retirements, you know, people retire and move on. Those are those are givens. But the COVID impact, definitely we've seen companies, um, you know, close close their offices. And, uh, you know, and so we've had to we've had to adjust to that as well in terms of um, keeping our services going. Yeah. Um. I agree with you 100%. It's a relationship business, and uh, so if you don't mind, I I think uh, I really appreciate you sharing uh, some of the great work you do at Smud. And I like I, I can't as again I thank you as a as a current rate payer, and I and I can validate that Smud was a, a good utility provider. Um, if I could ask you to put your private sector hat on again, we we're talking about the relationship side, and so um, it's been some years since you've been in the business. Have you seen? a change in the way relationships are formed? Uh, well, again, I, I think um, definitely COVID has changed. You know, the, the global pandemic has changed everything. And, uh, you know, people who work for these companies, the, the, the company reps that go out and sell the energy drinks and the, uh, you know, the beer, and the wine and you know they're used to going out and they have a, a set relationship and i'm talking even about suppliers for parts i mean there's there's fastenal there's gray bar there's all these companies that have these reps that go out and they're a part of the sales force um with covid it's you know you, everybody's locked down so um you know again i think that's definitely an impact if you don't any small business owner or large corporation owner that has a uh, solid management structure knows that those relationships are vital. They're very important. You, if you have a good rep, it's like having a good barber. If you don't have a good barber, you're gonna have a bad haircut. And if you got a bad rep, you're gonna have a bad haircut. And I, I don't know why I brought up the hair because you know, that was probably not a good uh, metaphor. But what I'm saying is, uh, I think it still is a relationship-based uh, I think more so on the private side than the uh, public side because we're a little more guarded in the public sector, um, you know, because of the uh, equitable playing field and some of the rules that are put into place. Um, but uh, so the relationship side, I, I think it's it, it most ever important to um, for for those uh, that are working in that field. 
And I think there has been an impact. And I don't know, did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely. I'm I'm curious. I, I'd like to keep jamming on this a little bit and just understand. I know that you're not in the private sector anymore, but you have all that experience. Um, how do you think people have adapted or have you heard of people that have adapted well and how did they adapt? Because to your point, you have all these salespeople or account reps there or account managers that aren't able to go out and visit their customers. They still have to form new relationships and customers. That was the interesting part about COVID. Work didn't stop. It just became more difficult to do. And so did you see anyone that did a good job of pivoting and what did that look like? I, I think so. Uh, you know, uh, oh, I think a lot of the, the sales force, because again, the private market is all about sales. Mm -hmm. It's all about sales, it's about buying and selling. That's, that's what <laughs> the market is. Um, but I think a lot of them went to uh, kind of what we're doing now, just a, a remote setting, a lot of robocalling, um, bundling deals. I think the uh, organizations uh, that we mentioned earlier, I think a lot of them really put a, um, a lot of overtime into their messaging out to their customers, um, their you know uh, communications network was uh, pretty solid that's kept them afloat. So the ones that are still out there thriving and surviving, I think they did a good job to adapting uh, to not having that front man uh, out there on the boots on the ground. Uh, they're still going because of their messaging their, and their management of communications. Yeah, that's I mean, that that's a that's a, an astute observation because you can I mean, I've, I've been in business development. I've been an account manager and a lot of it is you're out there trying to communicate the message to the potential customers. So they understand what you're about and then you're trying to help them solve problems, which is I think where the trust thing comes in so important. A good account manager is the client's representative inside the company and he's fighting for his clients with inside the organization to make sure they're getting the best deal, right? Um, do you have, do you think it's become easier to, to form relationships via teams? Because in the beginning of this, I would have said it's it's almost it's it's almost impossible to form relationships via teams, but we've spoken twice now and I feel like I know you a little bit better just from being on teams even. Uh, do you think that's getting better and people are getting more used to it? I do. Yeah, and, and I'm right there with you. I would have never have uh, imagined, and I would have probably bet all the money in my wallet that uh, you would never replace a personal face-to-face -face meeting with a, a, a video meeting. Um, but, you know, you step, you step back and look at it. I think um, once you have a few meetings and you get, we've never met in person. Um, but you know, you let your guard down a little bit. I think there's, uh, that face to face encounter. It's just human nature. I think, you know, people have their guards up and you got to make sure your shirt's buttoned and all these things. <laughs> Not that we don't on camera, but there's something to say about that. And I, uh, and I agree with you. I think it, it, uh, people are adapting to it and, um, it's going to take on a new form in its own way. And I think people are going to be able to do that effectively. Again, uh, when the uh, pandemic hit, there was this idea of essential versus non-essential, and I personally don't like that term. But I know what it, I know what they're saying. And uh, truth of the matter is, it's true. There are folks that need to be out um, driving the buses and working in the hospitals, and uh, you know, in the in the factories and the warehouses, and you know, driving the Ubers and all that. 
Um, and there's some people that don't that do work behind a computer with you know uh, with their their network and their teams. And I think those can function. Um, I do think you're going to lose a little bit. I do. I, I think you know some some uh, some synergy perhaps. But uh, again, 19 months here we are, and uh, I have uh, our staff meeting today with with our team, and uh, it's great. You know, you, you get creative, you get innovative, you kind of throw some fun things out there to keep morale up. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's my my best answer. Yeah, no, I think that you gave some good insight. And um, I'm interested because we we felt the same way going into COVID. Um, now let's imagine a scenario where we don't have any variants going around or maybe they're less lethal and people are able to live with it. Do you think there's a time when there's a value on those in-person contacts again? I don't think ever to the degree it was, but I wonder if there's still a place where it's going to be valuable for if I was your account manager coming to see you and actually trying to take you out for a coffee or just doing something to get to know each other a little bit more than we can through the screen. 100%. Yeah, there, there's definitely going to be a, a hybrid model. Uh, I was watching um, USA Today or uh, something this morning, and they were talking about Google has now approved as of today uh, remote work for all of their employees. And so they had this big conversation about, uh, you know, what that's going to look like. And is it going to work? Is it going to last? Uh, I think there needs to be and there has to be some element of face to face, hands on uh, activity. Uh, and we're talking about procurement here. We're talking about buying and selling. Uh, I want you, Matt, to bring me the latest and greatest. Um, power surge protector that's going to run my whole desk here and shut off when I'm not using it and save me $100 a year uh, on my utility bill. That's what I want. I want to see Matt. I want to see you bring me the power surge and tell me you're going to give me the best price on it. And uh, I can't accept gifts because I, I work for a public utility. But, uh, you know, I'll buy my own cup of coffee. You buy your own cup of coffee. We could talk yeah. about that great deal you're going to give me on that. I think that is a must to some now again will it be what it ever was i don't know man i i don't uh but there has to be some type of hybrid model where we're boots on the ground you know what i'm saying yeah no yeah. i i i know exactly what you're saying i i've i've started to develop a new hypothesis that i i think at some point there's going to be almost a premium on the people that are willing to go do that where Hey, listen, I'm willing to come meet you right now. I'll fly to where you are. That used to be table stakes. If, if you know, if I had a meeting, um, I live in Akron, Ohio, and if I had a meeting with in Detroit, I'm not gonna. That's not gonna be a team's meeting. I'm driving to Detroit, even if that's a 45 minute meeting, because it mattered to be in person. Um, as you were saying that, I, I was thinking a little bit on the on the marketing side and thinking about how it's even more important now to to have good messaging and to have that information out there because. If you're only taking a handful of meetings, um, who are you going to take the meetings with? People you know nothing about or the people that you at least know or at least have an instinct that they can help you. And I think that that promotes, to your point earlier, messaging is so important. Has to be. You, I don't think you can sell as a thing. Now, now, again, I'm a buyer. This is the Buyer's Market podcast. But what I'm saying is from a seller's perspective, uh, you know, there's – for decades, maybe even a I don't know, half century, jokes about the used car salesman, uh, the door-to-door -door guy selling the knives. I mean, 
there's something to be said about there's people who can do it and there's people who are very effective at it, but they're not as effective behind a computer screen. So if you take that away from them, there's, you're going to see impact. You, the, the sales guy with the hair and the glasses, and he, you know, he can sell you uh, your own pair of shoes. Uh, that guy, you know, there's still a demand. There's still a need for him in the marketplace. Where he fits now, I don't know, but uh, essential. Yeah, it's it's gonna be um, it's gonna be interesting to see how all this plays out and all this changes. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by all of it. Um, so we're wrapping up here, and I I, I want to thank you again for for taking the time to meet with us and uh, and for sharing all this information about um, what you've been through during COVID and about your private experience. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think, to your point, the reason why I call it the buyer's market is because it is the buyer's market. Um, I, we firmly believe that, but we created this to try and help marketing, sales, and PL leaders approach customers better. Is there anything, any words of wisdom you'd give to people like myself or other people that are in sales or marketing that, hey, you know what, think about this when you're considering approaching a customer, when you're thinking about creating messaging. And maybe it's not on the smud side, but if you were had your private sector hat back on. What are we buying? Um, services. <laughs> High consequence services. We're going to engineer well, so, again, a big You know, that. That conversation can go in a lot of different directions. Uh, you know, buying services and commodities are, are very different. Buying uh, a construction package is very unique in and of itself. And buying uh, software and licenses is is its own uh, niche for, for buying. But okay, services. So with services, um, my biggest, uh, in I don't think this is, uh, an epiphany or anything it's probably pretty common knowledge but um you know the lowest price isn't always uh what's going to get you the best results from a buyer's perspective so uh you know we have uh, currently um you know metrics set into place for what what we do to uh make sure that the quality of the product or the quality of the service uh is uh is weighted uh, with along with the price. So, uh, you know, you've heard of low bid type uh, procurements. Um, we're doing less and less low bid. I think uh, we want to do more of an evaluated uh, thing where, uh, you know, maybe community factors or, or um, you know, a percentage of the value. At the end, we want the best value, but it's not always the price. So, you know, all the low ballers out there, pay attention. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you, with, with especially with services, you 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 have to have the quality. You have to have the years of experience, uh, and be able to evidence your experience and qualifications to provide whatever service it is that you're uh, intending on providing. Um, but price does matter, so sharpen your pencil. <laughs> uh, spoken like a true buyer in the buyer's market. I like that. <laughs> Uh, I, I also like I also like your point about uh, the value and not low price. And I think from a for the for the people that are listening to this on the other side of that, I think it's important for you to be able to get your message out there and make it very clear to the customers how you do add value. So when they're considering adding you to the bidders list or not, they understand what your values before you get in the room. Because if you're trying to explain to them in the room, it's you know people don't absorb information that quickly. So you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. 
Um, so on that, uh, we like to end with a little th- with a little segment here on well, what's your best routine and habit. So you've successfully navigated different positions in your career, which has been awesome. Love the story about the strike. I that I, I we could probably talk about that for thirty minutes. Um, so for the young people in the field right now that are going to be trying to transition careers or even just people in supply chain, what is the routine or habit that has made you the most successful? Easy. Uh, well, this is 2021. I got to be careful what I say. Um, pick up the phone and call somebody. I think we live in a day and age where, you know, uh, the email is great, uh, but there's so much that can get misinterpreted in an email. If you, you know, uh, yeah, uh, never respond to an emotional uh, never respond emotionally to an email. Sit on it for 24 hours before you respond. Putting things in writing is, um, you know, that that could could sink or swim you. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I'm a I'm a phone guy. I like to talk about what we're going to do. Again, if we can't meet in person, I at least want to talk to you. I want you to understand where I'm coming from, uh, and, and hear my sincerity uh, versus sending an email. I can tell you a lot of the um, younger generations coming into the workforce, they're a lot more tech savvy and they're just better at sending an email. Uh, they're more comfortable doing that. But I would encourage any young person out there, do not forget this is a people business. So you have to have some skill sets uh, to be able to communicate effectively verbally and with writing. And if you can find the right combination of that, uh, and not way too heavy on one or the other, then uh, you'll be all right. Great advice. Great advice. I I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so with that, that's a wrap for this episode of The Buyer's Market. I want to thank Dan Manfredi again for being on this podcast and all the great work he does at SMUD. And for all the listeners out there, I want to thank you for tuning in uh, and encourage everyone to, uh, if you have questions or you have things we want to talk about, please reach out to us. And if you'd enjoy this, please share it with a friend and uh, give us a rating on one of the podcast sites. Thank you very much. Talk to you next week.